What's good, sports fans? Welcome to another instalment of the Sports by Fry podcast series. Today, I'm going to be touching on all things AFL. Pretty exciting episode. You know, the AFL season's pretty much here after months of the off-season and all the other player movement, role changes, new personnel changes. We'll finally start to get some of the answers to the questions that we've had throughout the whole pre-season. A quick one, I just want to touch on some of the exciting pieces that I've got going on at sportsbyfry.com right now. In a few days, I'll be doing my mock draft day. So I'll be updating my NFL and NBA mock draft pieces. Over the last probably three or four days, I've done my AFL season preview, which I'm going to touch on today, and also my AFL fantasy preview for the 2018 season. So I'll talk about both of those things throughout the podcast, but if you want to read the pieces, then hit up sportsbyfry.com so you can analyse in full detail what I touched on over the last week or so. But yeah, an AFL-flavoured edition today. Talk about what to expect in 2018, the teams that I think are going to do well, some teams that I think might slide a bit from their ladder position last year, and of course make my picks for the all-important awards and who will win the flag. So without further ado, let's get into it. Another big off-season, in my eyes, hasn't really moved the needle a lot for 2018. And what I mean by that is I think that we're probably going to see a pretty similar year to last year. I think the race for the top eight will be really, really exciting. Some teams that finished outside the eight last year will you know, definitely be keen to make amends on falling short. Looking at you, Melbourne. And there might be some teams that drop out. I'll go through my entire ladder predictions. I probably won't talk about every team in a lot of detail, but I'll touch on a few. But first, let's do a quick recap of what we missed from the off-season. So the biggest story of the off-season was probably Gary Ablett going back to Geelong, rejoining the Cats after a couple of years working on his 10 in the Gold Coast. I think I'd love to see Gary Ablett play as just a small forward in Geelong. Pinch hit in the midfield, maybe spend about 30% of his time in the midfield when Dangerfield goes forward or something like that. I reckon if they did that, Ablett could kick 50-plus, which would just make Geelong almost unstoppable. But by all accounts, I think the Cats are going to play him as a midfielder, which makes sense. I guess he is getting older and his body's a bit beaten up, but he's only a few years removed from winning another Brownlow and looking like one of the best players in the comp. So if he's healthy, I suppose you want him in the guts... uh, running havoc and making life hell for opposing midfields. Another big story was obviously Sam Doherty going down in the preseason. He was arguably Carlton's best player last year, was an All-Australian. His ACL injury probably rules him out for the entire year. He's ambitious and thinks that he can get back to play some footy towards the end of 2018, but I don't think it's going to happen. Another huge story was seeing Luke Hodge backflip on his retirement and go to Brisbane. That was so random. No one saw that coming. But I think it'll be interesting to see Hodge, how he helps those Brisbane guys. He might transition into a coaching role, much like Sam Mitchell did at West Coast last year, um, up at the Gabba with the Lions. So I think some of the young guns that 
Brisbane are working on will definitely benefit from having a guy of Hodge's character around, uh, around the club. And of course, Brisbane also have the new Cam Rayner, the number one draft pick from last year, entering the fold. I think he's carved in the same mould as a Steve Motlop type. He'll impact the game, you know, with a big run and goal or a bit of an excitement machine, Cam Rayner. So, yeah, promising signs if you're a Lions fan. So that pretty much covers all the important things you need to know of the off-season. There were a few other player trades that mattered, but... Those were the, the overarching big headlines from the pre-season and the off-season that mattered to me. So having a look at 2018, I think from a ladder perspective, that yeah, the likes of Richmond, Sydney, Adelaide, Geelong, GWS, they're all probably going to be pushing towards the top four, gunning for the minor premiership. I have Geelong in the box seat um, as the favourite to win it all. So by... You know, by default, they probably are going to be the minor premiers in my eyes. Adding Gary Ablett just gives them another string to their bow. They've got the perfect mix of, you know, youth and experience. They've got solid players at big key positions. They've got a good ruckman. Tom Hawkins, you know, it's probably a dark horse to win the Coleman. If Geelong win a couple of blowout games and he gets on fire, then he could make a push. So, yeah, the Cats are probably my pick to go all the way in 2018. But as I said right off the top, I don't think that the other teams that were right around the top of the ladder last year are going to slide a lot. Adelaide are going to be right around the mark and they're probably my second choice to win the flag. And of course, the Tigers can't really be underestimated. They had some massive wins in the preseason, touching up North Melbourne and Essendon, but it was North Melbourne and Essendon, so you take those results with a bit of a grain of salt. The Giants, controversially, I, I don't really... I'm not a fan of the Giants. I don't believe in their premiership credentials. They do have a few stars in the form of Josh Kelly and Jeremy Cameron, who battled injuries last year, but I don't know what it is about their team. I just don't like their team. They've got a lot of you know, young, exciting players, but a few injuries made them you know, pseudo-contenders in my eyes last year, and I think they're probably going to hang around a similar mark. They could very well make the grand final, but... I think out of the top tier, I think that they're the most likely to fall short. The Sydney Swans, uh, you know, they're perennial finals contenders. Anytime you've got Lance Franklin up and firing, then I think that Sydney's going to be hard to stop. Looking at the bottom four spots in the top eight, I think that the Ds will finally break their curse. They should break their curse. They're set up for success in 2018. Another year into some of the young kids um, should benefit them really well, but surely this is the year. They haven't made the finals in about 11, 12 seasons, so yeah, hopefully they can uh, get back there. The poor Melbourne bastards, they've had a tough run, some heartbreaking results lately. So yeah, I think um, I think the Ds will get back into the finals. I've also tipped the Bulldogs to uh, get over their premiership hangover and return into the top eight. They were a bit unlucky last year. I think you know a few things, a few results go different ways, and they're probably playing finals football. So yeah, I've got the dogs climbing back up into the eight, and Port Adelaide will also be in there. I think this is really a boom or bust year for the Power. They could quite easily go on to win the flag. Honestly, I think that that's their ceiling. They're that good, but if they finish around the twelve thirteen mark, 
I wouldn't be super surprised. They're, they're, yeah, boom, like I said, boom or bust. I loved their off-season recruits, adding Tom Rockliffe, Stephen Motlop, uh, who else they get? Jack Watts, Jack Trengove. That adds a lot of depth to you know, some important positions for the power. So they're facing an important year. Ken Hinckley somewhat on the hot seat. If he uh, can't, get, can't get things in order this year, then he could be in a bit of strife. But I think the, the power will be fine. I've got them making the finals. Turning my attention to the bottom 10 teams or the non-finals contenders, in ninth on my preview, I had West Coast Eagles. I think losing Josh Kennedy for the first month of the season will hurt them. Um, and obviously the loss of some experienced heads like Prittis and Mitchell will uh, see the Eagles slide a little bit. A lot of experts, in inverted commas, have them you know, really plummeting down the ladder. I don't think that'll happen. I still think that they've got enough class and talent to finish around the middle of the table and potentially even push into the finals if everything goes according to plan. But I just have some of the other teams above them um, have a bit more confidence in them. If JK comes out firing and the Eagles, you know, go on a, a big run, then who knows? But yeah, in my eyes, I think the coasters are just on the bubble, followed closely by the likes of Hawthorne and St Kilda. St Kilda are building something pretty exciting. I think uh, Alan Richardson's on the right track, but they just don't really have the pieces, I think, to be a true finals contender. They've got some nice kids, and Billings looks like a star. But yeah, another, they've probably got another season in the uh, bottom 10 before they push into finals, for my opinion. Hawthorne are an interesting one. You can't really count out Alastair Clarkson. He might be the best coach in the league. Um, losing some experience has probably cost them in the last couple of seasons. Hodge retired, Sammy Mitchell left, Jordan Lewis left. So I think those stars that they had in their midfield, losing them really um, put them back a step or two. So a lot of people expect them to reclaim a spot in the eight, but I've got them finishing about 10th, 11th. After that, all kind of clumped into one group. I've got your likes of the Bombers, the Blues, Collingwood. I don't think that any of the three of them can make finals. Essendon had an interesting off-season, adding Stringer and Sard and Devon Smith, and a lot of people are predicting they'll make the finals too, but, you know, there's only eight spots, and I don't think that Essendon's good enough to claim one of them over the likes of Port Adelaide or... Melbourne or the Bulldogs, so unfortunately for Bombers fans, they miss out. The Blues are starting to trend in the right direction. They might, you know, climb up the ladder and could maybe push for a finals berth. I don't see it happening, but, you know, stranger things have happened. The Magpies, I think, if they can't get their shit together and win this year, or at least, you know, look like they're going to make finals, it might be the end for Bucks. Somewhat controversially, Buckley extended his contracts. Uh, for a further two seasons in the off-season, but he hasn't really done a lot to justify a contract extension, but I'm not running the pies. Good on him for signing on for another two, but, yeah, he could quite easily be shown the door if Collingwood start to falter from day one. Bottom four, I don't think this is surprising for anyone. I've got the Lions, Frio, my boys, and then Gold Coast followed by North Melbourne for the spoon. North are probably a few years away from being a few years away. They've got some okay pieces, but not enough to climb up the ladder. Similar for the Suns. I think Stewie Jew will start to turn the culture around there, but I still don't have faith that they can climb out of the bottom tier. Brisbane, they need to start climbing the ladder now, I think. It's, 
You know, they've had years of getting top picks and they're starting to look like an okay, they're building an okay side, but this is, this is the year that I think that they can start to separate themselves from the bottom of the, the league. That still means that their ceiling's probably like a 13th or 14th finish, but for Brisbane fans, that'd be a win after what's transpired in the last three or so years. Finally, my Frio Dockers, I think we are in for another year of hardship, although I'm not too stressed. I think, you know, we're not in a position to contend for the flag, so I wouldn't mind us getting another good draft pick, getting 22 games into a lot of our promising kids. I like the looks of Brayshaw. Luke Ryan across the halfback flank really excites me. Blakely looks good. And, of course, we've got the likes of stars of Fife and Mundy and Lockie Neal, Mickey Walters. So, you know, if we can have another year where someone stands up as a good goal kicker, whether it be Matt Tabernard or Cam McCarthy, they kick close to 40 goals and Fife looks healthy, then I think that'll be a win for us this year, even if we do finish close to the spoon. That's how I think the ladder will, you know, transpire, or that's how it'll pan out in 2018. Let's be honest, though, no one, I'm sure, picked Richmond or the Dogs to win the flag the last two years, so I could be in for a a complete uh, misfire on my picks. But, yeah, I think Geelong's the team to beat. Your teams at the top of the ladder will stay there, and there's not too much, you know, difference from a season ago the competition for the bottom spots in the top eight will be interesting like it has been for the last few years though and it should come down to the last couple of games which as a footy fan keeps the season interesting and exciting and that's what we want right time for some award picks so after seeing the pre-season and watching how buddy went about his business i've got him winning the coleman medal he uh wasn't meant to be playing in the pre-season he had off-season surgery and everyone thought that you know he might have a limited or not even appear in the JLT, but he looked unstoppable to start the year. If Josh Kennedy was healthy, I'd you know it'd be hard to avoid him. And then of course the next group you've got the up and comers like Joey Danaher, Tom Lynch, Jesse Hogan. They could take out Buddy, but yeah, after watching him in the preseason, I think he's the man to stop, man to beat. The Rising Star Award I've got going to the Brisbane young gun Alex Witherden. He had a really good second half of the season start the show. A lot of poise off that halfback flank for the Lions. So he'll be one that'll benefit from playing alongside Luke Hodge. And he should claim uh, the top honours. His teammate Cam Rayner might um, steal a few votes off him. As will some of the other top draft picks from a year ago. The likes of Andrew Brayshaw, Patrick Dow and Luke Davies Uniac from the Ruse. But yeah, Alex Witherden's the pick in my eyes. And for the Brownlow, I've got Paddy Dangerfield reclaiming his throne um, from Dusty. The 2016 winner should claim the Charlie this season. I think, uh, like I said, Geelong will be the team to stop. I'm not worried about Selwood or Ablett or Duncan stealing votes from Danger. I think that they'll win that many games that, you know, even if Dangerfield doesn't get three votes and Selwood or Ablett does, he'll still get one or two for his role in their win, so... I'm not worried about them losing votes to each other. Dusty Martin and Five should finish close to the top, but don't sleep on Zach Merritt. I think he could potentially become the best player in the league this year, just have an awesome year. He looked really, really exciting last year. Josh Kelly at the Giants is another one who will probably be around the mark, as well as the Bont from the Dogs. I think Bont's in for a for a ripper 2018. There's not too much else to touch on for... How I think 2018 will pan out. 
like I said, it'll be pretty similar to what we saw last year. It'll be a great season. It'll be exciting to see how the top eight pans out. It'll be a bit of a flux for a couple of weeks as we try to figure out who's a real deal and who's not. Barring anything catastrophic, I think the Cats, the Crows or the Tigers will be uh, the premiers this season. So with my preview for the actual football done and dusted, I want to turn my attention to some AFL fantasy we're only a few days away, well actually I think we're about 36 hours away from Carlton and Richmond tipping off uh, the competition. It's going to be interesting trying to keep up to date with AFL fantasy news from the other side of the world. I think I had a look at the time difference, the team announcements and lockout will be happening at about 4.30 in the morning our time, so yeah, I'm not looking forward to setting my alarm, but if I want to win the car, you know, I've got to uh, put in the hard yards, so... My team, much like everyone else's, has changed about a thousand and four times over the preseason, and I thought I had a pretty solidified group of thirty until yesterday when I spent some time just absolutely revamping my team. So I said on my YouTube video that my team was different to the one I wrote about in my article just a few hours earlier, and the YouTube video that went up yesterday. The team is completely different to what it looks like now. So long story short, I still have no idea what my final team will look like. I've got probably 25 of my 30 are probably locked in. I'm pretty happy with most of them, but yeah, I'm starting to experiment and get a bit crazy. So I should probably stop refreshing my fantasy page and, you know, just be happy with the team back in the research that I did in the preseason. But I'm just going to run through and quickly go list off my players and stars that I've got in each position and then I'm going to touch on a few blokes who you probably should start with and probably shouldn't start with um, based on my personal opinion. So looking at the back line at first, Rory Laird I think is safe as a house for D1. He'd probably claim the mantle as the top averaging defender, maybe. Someone else will challenge him but I think he's the one to beat. D2 and 3 is interesting. I had Jake Lloyd and Michael Hibbard in my D2 and 3 yesterday, but I'm tempted on going for Cade Simpson after I've played a little bit around and got some salary cap. As it stands right now, I've still got Lloyd and Hibbard, but Simpson could get a berth. Outside of that, the rest of my backline's filled with rookies. I did have Caulfield from St Kilda, but while I was sleeping, there was news that came out that he's probably not going to play in round one, so that changes things for the worse. I was I thought he was a lock, but so did thousands of other coaches in the AFL community. So yeah, that's a bit of a kick in the nuts. So at the moment I've got I've promoted Tom Doty Doherty to the field. He was on my bench. So he's there with the likes of Norton from the Dogs and Sam Murray from Collingwood. And then on your bench I've put Jeremy Finlayson and Alex Pierce. I think Pierce We'll play 15 to 20 games for the Dockers this year, average around 50, 60. So he could be a good little heartbeat emergency for the majority of the year. Won't light the world on fire. Could get an 80-odd every now and then, but and we'll probably have some 30s and 40s, but I think he'll be a good emergency. So I've got him holding down my emergency spot on the bench right now. A lot of my rookie picks, not only in the back line, but throughout my whole team, will be pretty determined by how the team sheets are when they get revealed and team selections are revealed so a few of these rooks and young guns could swap but because I'm opting for the traditional guns and rookies strategy that's I guess the nature of the beast looking into my midfield I think 
you'd be foolish to not start with Tom Mitchell. He comes at a cost, and I understand that not having him allows you to put money on someone else in another position, but I think he'll be the, the best player in fantasy this season. He was elected as a pig last year, and I think that you know that was for a good reason. He'll average 125-plus. He's you know, a bona fide walk-up captain, so you need him in your side, as I do have. I've also got Zach Merritt um, as my vice at the moment. This is the first season in about three or four years that I don't have danger, and you know, as I said, I, I think he'll be the Brownlow medalist, so he might work his way into the team over the last two days, but I don't think so. He comes at a pretty expensive cost, so, you know, I wish... You can't have them all, right? I'd love to have him and Dusty in there as well, and Pendlebury's one of my favourite players who's not also in my side. Could be a unique uh, player of difference, but, yeah, Zach Merritt's my second-best guy. Yesterday, when I did my video, I had Matty Crouch as my third midfielder, but I've swapped it to Josh Kelly after doing some number crunching and having a look around, spending a little bit of money. I don't really have much left in my bank. I've got 20K... And Kelly comes at about 40, 50k more than Crouch, but that might change. At the moment, as it sits, Josh Kelly's in my squad. He's looks set to be a star and average 110 plus, but as does Matt Crouch. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to see who I, I opt with when the season starts. But at the moment, it's Kelly. Fourth, I've got Lockie Neal, underpriced. He'll probably average close to 110 as well. M5 was... A really, really tough spot for me to lock down. I had Luke Parker, Paddy Cripps, um, Lockie Whitfield all around that mark. I've stuck with Parker for now. I think he'll have a bounce back year after a bit of a rough 2017, but Whitfield potentially getting DPP is really enticing. So once again, uh, nothing's set in stone in the large fries and coke, so I could potentially swap Parker for Whitfield. Those are my five kind of guns that I'm starting 2018 with. And then after that, I've got Andy Brayshaw, Davies Uniac from North, and Tom Kelly, Tom Kelly, Tim Kelly from Geelong as my three other rookies starting on my field with the likes of Bailey Banfield and Nick Holman on my bench. Again, team sheets will probably dictate a bit of that. I think most of those midfield rookies will stay the same, but Don Barry might uh, get a call up for one of those bench spots if I feel, ne- feel it's necessary. Ruckman, I've, I've gone pretty boring, pretty vanilla, but I think most coaches are doing a similar thing, and for good reason. I've got Sam Jacobs and Max Gorn as my rucks. They'll both average around the 100 mark. They're guaranteed to be their number one ruckman for their respective sides. I can't have Stefan Martin after what he did to me last year. There's no guarantee that he'll be the number one ruck for Brisbane so I don't really want to risk you know Archie Smith popping his head up round six or seven I like the looks of Jacobs and Gorn I had Jacobs I think for about the last six or seven rounds last year and you know he was 95 to 105 every week so you know I'll I'll bank that guaranteed ton and hopefully Gorn can return back to his best and do something similar on the bench your ruck bench doesn't really matter, let's be honest. I've thrown Darcy Cameron and Willie Frampton there, but actually, when I say it doesn't matter, Sean Darcy helped me out on the ruck bench last year, but yeah, I think with the exception of Darcy Cameron, there's not really any basement rookies that matter on the on the pine. Maybe Timmy English from the Dogs, but apart from that, that's probably where you should look to save a bit of money. In the forward line, this has probably been the line that's troubled me the most this preseason. 
I've had Lance Franklin, Blake Akers, Sam Menegola, um, Devin Smith, all these guys chopping and changing in and out throughout the preseason. And Barlow as well has shown his face a couple of times, but at the moment, none of them are in my side. I've got Billings and Heaney as my top two guys in my forward line. Their ownership is in the top five for forwards, so yeah, a lot of other people have a similar similar plan, but you know, I'd rather lock those two guns in than you know take a chance on Buddy or someone like that. I still might include Buddy. I've been liking the looks of him all preseason, but I think you know he's he is getting older. I think Heaney's a safer pick, even though Buddy potentially could score a little bit more. Yeah, I think. Uh, Heaney and Billings are the safe top two to go for. My third forward is Christian Petraka. I think he'll break out and just be a star this year. He's, you know, average uh, priced at about 70, and he could very well average 70 to 80-odd and, you know, end up hurting me. I could, I could see that happening, but I think he's shown flashes over the past few years. With the Ds, you know, expected to climb up the ladder, Petraka should benefit a lot from a lot of their... Uh, their wins and hopefully put some more numbers on the board. On my video, I said that he'd probably average, I think his upside is that he could average close to your top six forwards in the 90s mark. So anything above 85, I'd take. I'm not going to be greedy. He's uh, priced, at, priced at 70. So yeah, 80, 85 plus would be nice. Thanks for tracker. As it sits right now, Alan Christensen is F4 for me. I think he he won't average close to the 80s that he did um, prior to 2016, but he's probably underpriced. I think he's priced you know, below his 60-odd average, so an average of around the 70, 75 mark would be nice. Cam Rayner was in his spot for a while, but like I said, I think he's more of an excitement machine. He won't you know, be a big accumulator and rack up massive scores, kind of like Stephen Motlop. And Stephen Motlop hasn't had the best AFL fantasy career. He doesn't you know, rack up 30 touches. So, yeah, Rain is sitting on the outs for me at the moment. The other four spots that I do have in my forward line, the benches and the last two on field, are all taken up by rookies right now. Once again, team selection will probably dictate a little bit, but um, I'm pretty pretty okay with the rookies I've got at the moment. I've got Fritsch, Frisch from Melbourne. He looked solid in the preseason and will be a, a starter for them round one. Hopefully he can hold down his spot and won't hurt me too much. But, yeah, I don't know why I'm not sold on his job security, so he could potentially get the flick. Liam Ryan from West Coast is also on my field. I watched the highlights of that Eagles-Dockers-JLT game and he looked like a beast. I loved uh, the way he went about his business. So, yep, he's on my field. Keith and Giles Langdon from the Giants are my bench guys at the moment and... Barring anything catastrophic, we'll probably stay there. There are a few rooks that could potentially get a berth, but yeah, I think team sheets will dictate a lot, as will it will for most coaches, as to you know who's going to be on your field, who's going to be on your bench. I like to not deter too much from players that I've picked in the preseason and back my guns, but I'm sure... <laughs> I don't, I'm not alone when you know when I say that team sheets do change a lot of a lot of well-made plans. I mean, everyone thought that Coffield was safe in the back line and a lock for everyone's team, but you know if he's not playing week one, obviously that makes things a bit stressful. That's kind of 
how I think my team will shape out. Like again, there's probably 25 that are locked and loaded, ready to go, but there might be a few little changes and a bit of fluctuation over the final 24 hours before lockout looms and lockout takes over and we get into season 2018. A few players that I've had my eye on all preseason who aren't currently in my team, I'm just going to touch on, include Dustin Martin. Like I mentioned, he's he comes at about 100 grand less than Tom Mitchell. I've seen a few teams that don't have Tom Mitchell and have, you know, Merritt, Dangerfield and Dusty. So that could be a pretty interesting strategy if you go for those three instead of Titch. Dusty looks like he's in the prime of his career. Richmond looks set to win another bunch of games. So he could potentially go off and he'll be probably be a top eight midfielder. So, you know, you could say picking him and having him as one of your safe, you know, set and forget choices will help you get a lot of sleep at night. But I haven't made, found a way to squeeze him into my team, so if you do, then that's probably a, a smart move. Adam Trelaw at the Pies is another one. He's, his ownership's currently sitting under about 10%, which is probably a bit disrespectful for the, uh, the Magpies jet. He, you know, he's averaged almost bang on 110 in the last two years, and he looks set to do so over another 20, 22 games for Collingwood this season, so priced at just over 750 grand. He's a pretty uh, pretty unique option that people could just decide to throw into their lo- lineup. Someone who I've had my eye on this preseason, and I, I don't think that anyone will take over the Doherty role, and Cade Simpson will probably play a bit of, get a bit of extra touches down back, but I like the looks of Weedering from the Blues. He could, I'm not brave enough or bold enough to pull the trigger, but he's priced at an average under 60. His last three games to end the year last year, I think he averaged over 85. He looked really good and has looked impressive in the preseason. So he's a defender at the moment, could get forward status if um, he's swung up forward for a bit. And yeah, he looked at price at just 400 grand. I'm, I was tempted to have a stab at him, but yeah, I'm not brave enough to pull it off. But if someone else is, by all means, go for it. And then you can claim that you got the idea from me. In my forward line... There's one more guy who I haven't been able to squeeze in that I really wanted to, and that's Blake Akers. Everyone's hyped up about Jack Billings for St Kilda, but Akers, I think, is really on the verge of a, a massive breakout year. He, like Petraka, has you know, shown flashes over the last couple of years in the system, and he looks set to play a lot of midfield time. He had a couple of injury issues that hampered his uh, performance. He's priced at around 78, just under that 80 mark, so... You know, it's it's a it's a tricky price. If he was a bit cheaper, then I'd probably go for it. But yeah, he he could just do what Christian Petraka is poised to do and push. You know, push ninety. I think he's got a lot of upside. If the St Kilda Football Club can find him some more midfield time, and just quietly in the rucks, he couldn't do it. But Todd Goldstein is probably more of a draft pick. He seems to be sliding in a lot of draft leagues. You probably couldn't start with him in classic, but. Yeah, I've got a sneaky suspicion that Goldie's in for a bounce-back year. He only averaged around 85 last year, so look for him to push back closer to the ton in 2018. A few guys I think that you shouldn't have in your team, even though Darcy Fogarty looked like he was, you know, best player on the field in one of Adelaide's pre-season games, I've, I think that their best 22 doesn't have him inside. He might start in round one. Tex Walker, I think, is expected to miss, so he could make his debut and will probably score solidly. But, you know, you're not meant to pick a rookie who's, you know, named that you haven't really had in your team all year or pre-season, I should say. So 
I mean, he could very well cement a spot in the best 22. I don't think he will, but he's a, a rook that I think a lot of people are starting to be tempted by. And while he looks like a jet, I don't think a, a premiership team or a, premiership, a team with premiership aspirations has room for him in their 22. Jaeger Amir is another one that I think uh, you should avoid. His injury history just scares the hell out of me. I mean, he, he hasn't put a foot wrong all pre-season and looks back to 100% fitness, so kudos to him. And hopefully he can be healthy and put these knee issues and other injury issues behind him. But, yeah, it's, it's too much of a risk for me. He's severely underpriced and a lot of people are jumping on. But, yeah, I won't be one that's uh, getting on the Jaeger bomb. Elliot Yo down back for the Eagles. He's one of the most polarising players in fantasy history, really. He really does fit the yo-yo moniker. He'll have really good games, and then he'll just go absolutely missing and score in the 50s or 60s. If the Eagles do play him down back, and he is that rebounding defender pushing up the wing, um, then the utility could the Eagles' utility could just star and be a really good player in 2018. But there's rumours that they're going to play him up forward while Kennedy's out and play him as a bit of a small defender as well. So, you know, nearly costing you 700 grand. I think you should be wise and spend your money in other areas. Last but not least is Brody Grundy from Collingwood. I think he will probably average in the 90s, which is fine for a Ruckman. But I wrote a piece for the Dream Team Talk Boys over the preseason about how Grundy averages about 20 points less when Mason Cox plays alongside him. And Buckley has talked up Mason Cox all preseason, said that, you know, he'll be playing a lot of footy. In the preseason, Cox actually played full four. I think he kicked four goals in one of their uh, preseason matches. So he looked good in the JLT, which means he's probably going to be in their best 22, which means that Brody Grundy will average 20 points less than what he should, which means you should avoid him and. Look at someone like Jacobs or even uh, Matty Cruiser. He could be the best ruckman, averaging ruckman in the comp. So, yeah, spend your money elsewhere. Save yourself some, uh, some stress. Fantastic. That covers who I think you should and shouldn't have in your team, or at least in the mix for your team. Don't forget that Thursday night's lockout is a rolling lockout. So for those of you that don't know what that means, basically any Carlton and Richmond players you have in your team, once the Carlton-Richmond game kicks off you can't move them they'll be cemented into the spot that includes your emergencies so if you have guys like I do with Cade Simpson who you're considering make sure that you're sold on them and you want them in your team once the game bounces down you'll still be able to make the trades and moves with all your other players but you need to make sure that those Richmond and Carlton boys are set in stone and then of course once the lockout rolls around on Friday before the Bombers Crows match make sure that you've got your emergencies set your captain's and the works for what should be an exciting first round of footy for what should be an exciting year of AFL fantasy action. Overall, that pretty much sums up my AFL fantasy and regular season preview. Like I said, I think we're in for another great year of AFL action. If you liked uh, the pod, make sure you give me a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe to hear some more instalments. I'll probably do another episode on Friday. Um, touch on the NBA playoff race. Uh, March Madness kicks off again tomorrow with the Sweet 16, so we'll be talking about the first batch of games from that. Mock Draft Day will be happening again, like I said, on Thursday, so make sure you hit up sportsbyfright.com to read them and read all the other exciting pieces that I write about 
breaking news in the sports world. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Until next time, peace.